Well, we are in a series of messages titled Curious, God's Answers to Your Curious Questions. And last week, we talked about how would Jesus vote, and that was fun. Let me tell you something. We had a great time, and I had a lot of really great conversations afterwards. It was, it was really fun. Well, today, today there's a, the, the topic we're going to tackle really follows very, very well with last week's topic. We're going to talk about making wise choices. And it is fascinating to me uh, that, and these are, these are estimates, but a lot of this comes out of the, the scientific community, so it's really important to kind of snag, to snag it. Did you know that we make approximately between 2,000 and 2,400 decisions every day? Every day. Now, most of those decisions are, are just very routine. Uh, they're just very much in the normal course of what we do. We don't even really think about those decisions. We just make them. So it tells you that in order for us to make such an incredibly high volume of decisions, it would be, I think it would really be in our best interest to make really good decisions. I think all of us would agree with that. I don't think there's any, any confusion. Well, we're going to do a little audience participation this morning. So, and let me just, I'll just give you an example of kind of the decisions that we make. And how maybe we arrive at them. So you're most likely familiar, at least with, and this is the first question. Are you familiar or have you been to Baskin and Robbins ice cream? How many are least familiar with Baskin and Robbins or have been to Baskin and Robbins? All right. The uniqueness of Baskin and Robbins is that they have 31 flavors. Okay. At any given time. All right. So. My question to you is, I'm only going to give you three. So, what is your favorite ice cream? Here we go, and I'm going to give you three. Number one, vanilla. Okay, you know, you go to a place that has 31 flavors, and you choose vanilla. I'm sorry, it just doesn't seem to work. Okay, so how many of you would say, Chocolate. There, no, don't. Come on. Raise your hand. Be proud about being chocolate fans. Okay. And one more. Strawberry. All right. All right. All right. All right. Now, I'm going to go real deep here. My favorite ice cream at Baskin and Robbins is gold metal ribbon. That is my favorite. It's kind of, I don't know why. It just, but I don't, it's the only time I ever eat it. And I'm like, I haven't been to Baskin and Robbins in probably five years. But my point is, when you go into Baskin and Robbins, here you're faced with 31 different choices. You got to, I've got to make a decision. I have seen people stand there and walk back and forth and back and forth, and they can't figure out, what, I, what about, can I taste that? Can, wait a minute. They are paralyzed trying to make a decision, and I'm looking at my wife right now. That's kind of what her thing is at Baskin and Robbins. <laughs> no, she actually does, uh, she she struggles with decision. Anyway, I'll wait. Because <laughs> she likes them all. She likes them all, and now I'm done for the rest of the day. So anyway, here's the deal. We make those decisions in a lot of different ways. And so it's fascinating to me. I found an article this week from a gal by the name of Dr. Mary, excuse me, Susan. i got to get her name right. Weinshank. Susan Weinshank. She is a behavioral scientist. She's done a lot of research about the mind and the brain. And, but she did this in connection with making decisions. 
And what she discovered was absolutely fascinating. And I want to share you real quick five insights from what she discovered about making decisions. The first, most decisions that we make, now remember, 2,000 to 2,400, most decisions we make are not made logically. We don't, here's the thing, we like to think that we're logical when we're making decisions and that we're considering all the options. We weigh all those alternatives. But the hundreds of decisions that we make every day, we don't logically think through those, every one of them. Even the big decisions are not made logically. Second observation is that sees most of the decisions that we make are unconscious. We do so unconsciously. By looking, now this is great, when, and maybe you don't get fascinated with this, but I do, so you have to tolerate me for at least a few minutes, okay? By looking at brain activity while making a decision, researchers could predict what choice people would make seven to ten seconds before they themselves were even aware of having made a decision. The mind is already working having made that conscious choice or unconscious choice. This means that even when people think they're making a conscious, logical decision, chances are they aren't. The brain is working. Third, if you can't feel emotions, you can't make decisions. Thanks to our, now give me, don't forgive me for this, thanks to the ventromedial prefrontal cortex, that's right here, okay? Thanks to this portion of the brain, okay? That regulates fear. It regulates fear. There's another part of the brain that tells you what you should be afraid of and when to be afraid. But this regulates fear, all right? So think about this. When that is active, you're then able to let go of your conditioned fears, the whens and the whats. When this is active, as a result, you're then able to make a decision. When you let go of those conditional fears, you should just assume that all decisions involve emotion. Involve emotion. Number four, don't confuse unconscious decisions with irrational or bad decisions. Most of our mental processing is unconscious. Now listen to this statistic. Dr. Dr. Timothy Wilson, studying how data is processed, calculated that we are receiving approximately 11, 11 million pieces of data into our minds every second. There's no way that we can process all of that data in our conscious mind. Our unconscious has evolved to such an extent that it can process most of that data to make the decisions for us according, listen to this, according to the guidelines and rules of thumb that are in our best interest most of the time. That's how strong the unconscious is. It's working, processing, processing, so that the, the eventual decision that's made unconsciously is still within our best interest. And this is where we get the idea of we go with our gut instinct. And then number five, there are really only two different types of decisions that people make, value-based and habit-based. A value-based decision weighs option, compares and contrasts, and then decides what, what car to choose. A habit-based decision is as if you're walking down the aisle in the supermarket and you go to the cereal aisle and you just unconsciously grab a box of cereal and drop it. You don't give it any thought. So you've got habit-based and value-based. For each type of decision, a separate part of the brain is active. 
if you give, now listen carefully to this phrase. If you give someone a lot of information, then they will switch from habit-based to value-based. If you give someone a lot of information, they will switch from habit-based to value-based. So what do we take away from that? Here are four real quick observations. The first, I want you to know something. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has designed our minds, our brains. It's an extraordinary, it is just extraordinary to think that your mind can process 11 million pieces of data per second is amazing. The second observation is that making wise choices begins by taking charge of our decision-making process. We've, we've got to be actively involved. The third observation is that if we're going to make wise choices, we need to think differently. And lastly, if we're going to make wise choices, we must fill our minds with the best and right information in order to make those choices. And I would suggest that is the word of God. When we fill our minds, fill ourselves with God's word, what happens? When you have enough information, you move from habit-based to value-based decision. And that information is the Word of God. So what we're going to do for a few moments, I'm going to give you five questions to help us make wise choices. But before we do that, I want you to, I'm, these are not in your, they're not in notes. I listed all of the passages of Scripture. You can look at them later. On version. all of those notes are listed. But you can look at this, but I want you to listen carefully to the following verses because there are some common denominators in each of these verses. Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Jeremiah 31, 33, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Romans 8, chapter 8, 8, verses 6 and 7. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can know enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Ephesians 4.23, be made new in the attitude of your minds. Philippians 3.19, their, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Don't let anyone condemn you. Colossians 2, verse 18, and chapter 3, verse 2. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or worship of angels, saying that we have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Do you catch, do you catch the commonality between all of those verses? When we have the mind of the flesh, we're going to make poor decisions. We cannot be, we're not going to make good decisions. But when we have the mind of Christ, the mind of the Spirit, we have life and peace. So our minds need to change. We need to think differently. Our minds and the way we think will determine the decisions that we make. Our minds 
And the way we think will determine those decisions that we make. Now, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. This really is so critically important for our time and our conversation today. Listen to what Paul says. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a what? A new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You want to make wise choices? God's got to change the way you think. That comes through his word. Critical in making wise choices is allowing God to transform the way we think. When we do, when we do, we will know his will for our lives. We, but we must, but we must allow God to transform our thinking. We must allow God's, and hear this carefully, we must allow God's data, remember 11, point, 11 million pieces of data, we must allow God's data to overwhelm, to overwhelm the data we receive from all other sources. We must practice biblical principles and make decisions that are God-informed decisions. God-informed decisions. So five questions to help us wrestle the idea of changing the way we think. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us today in your name. Amen. First question, does this decision align with God's word? Does the decision that I'm making align with God's word? Now remember, we have all kinds of decisions that we make every day, 2,000 to 2,400, whatever that is. Really, the color of my shoes is not a real life-changing thing, okay? It just isn't. That's not what we're talking about. But there are decisions that deal in your family, in your job, in your life in general that really we need to say, does this, if, if I'm making this decision, does this align with the Word of God? And that is, that is so incredibly important. Dr. Steinshank mentioned a few minutes ago that you should just assume that all decisions involve emotions. And while I don't disagree with that, but if we, if we make our decisions solely based on emotion, which can be very subjective, we're in jeopardy of not choosing well. But what do we have to do? Remember the conditioned fear. We have got to allow what is deeper within our minds, the transformation of our minds through the washing of God's word to give us, to give us the perspective to make wise choices, good choices. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 and then also in chapter 7. He said, man, Jesus told him, know the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We exist through what God's word says. And then chapter 7, verse 24, he said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is what? Wise. Is wise. It's like a person who builds a house on the solid rock. We need to be diligent and study the scriptures. We need to read the Word of God. We need to meditate on the Word of God. So when, when we're facing decisions, what becomes the default in our life? God's Word is the default. It is the information that then directs every decision that we make. The Word of God. Does it align with the Word of God? Understand, we've got to let God's Word be the first and the final word in making wise choices. 
the first and the final. Here's something that we just need to understand. Does, and we can ask ourselves this question. Does my choice, does this decision line up with Scripture? If the answer is no, you don't need to go any farther. Why? Because God will never lead you to do something that goes against Scripture. That's the end of it. If it doesn't align with Scripture, we're done. Move on. God has got to change the way we think in order for that to happen. His word is what will accomplish that. Second question. Have I prayed about and received peace about this decision? Now, some of you will remember this and others will go, I have no idea what you're talking about. But some of you are going to remember this. Some of you remember the V8 commercials. The V8 juice commercials. Not a V8 car, but a V8 commercial. Where they, they would say, here it is. Oh, I could have had a V8. Some of us do this. Oh, I should have prayed about that. Unfortunately, that's probably true. Sometimes we take prayer as secondary or the last resort rather than the first option that we employ. And I would suggest that the first option should be prayer. When we're faced with a decision, we should immediately go to God and say, God, I desperately need your wisdom. You need to speak to me. Give me, give me wisdom and direction about what's next for me. And I could talk a lot, I could give you so many different illustrations where, where, we've, where Marcy and I have committed decisions to prayer. I'm just going to give you one. And it's really important to understand how it all fits. And that decision, you're going to be familiar with that decision. It was our coming to Crossroads Church. When we were first approached to consider Crossroads Church, immediately thinking of Southern California, absolutely. No question about it. Why? We have two of our three children here. Grandchildren are here. We feel like that we're more Southern Californian than Northern California. Now, to all of my Northern California friends, I love you and you're, you're wonderful and it's all good, but we feel very much at home here. So understand, if we had made the decision solely based upon location and opportunity in Southern California and the fact that I get to play golf in February when everybody and my Northern California friends are freezing and wet, I would go immediately, oh yeah, no question, no question. Why? That's emotion. You see, that's emotion. But what we did is we realized that emotion cannot drive this decision. Emotion is always going to be there, but it cannot be the number one. What has to happen, we have to put this before the Lord in prayer. God, we've got to have the mind of Christ. We have to have our minds oriented. We've got to remove the emotion so that you can speak life to us from your word to know that the decision is right. Because this decision not only affects us, it affects every one of you. You see, we have to be, that has to be the first option on the table is prayer before anything else. We must pray. And I love what Paul says to, in, to the Philippians. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Look at this. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. 
you see where we come right back to it. God is changing the way we think. And I've got to have a peace in my heart after I pray that will then bring peace into my life about the decision that I'm making. In making wise choices, large or small, two words, pray first. Pray first. Third question, have I received godly counsel regarding this decision? By some estimates, again, 2,000, 2,400 decisions a day, 11 million pieces of data per second. I mean, we're getting bombarded from every side. And I want to tell you something. I have got to rely upon other people to help me make decisions that are life-altering. I want people speaking into my life. And you and I both need people speaking into our life. When we have to navigate all of the pros and the cons and the, and the what-ifs and the maybes, it's no wonder we can settle, hear me, that we can settle for an unconscious emotional decision. We hear this and we say, hey, what about, let me go back to the Crossroads story for just a second. When, I was, when we were faced with this decision, what did we do? We sought godly counsel. What should we do? Help us understand the pros, the cons, the what ifs, the maybes. What's next? I got to know. I got to have input from other sources. Understand this. When I only go on emotion, when I only settle for the unconscious, that is old person thinking. You say, wait a minute. Are you, are you calling out the old folks among? No, I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about spiritual life. Paul says this. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. Everything becomes new. I don't want to think like an old person. I want to think like a new person in new thinking. I want God to reorient my thought processes. And I want him to change the way I think so that when I'm processing something, I'm thinking the way God would be honored in my thoughts and in my decisions. So I want to think new. I want to think new. One of the new person ways to change our thinking is to receive godly counsel. Listen to what the psalmist says, Psalm 1, verse 1. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil people. That's harsh, huh? Who don't follow the example of sinners or join, you know, join those who have no use for God. Now let me unpack that a second. It's godly counsel from godly people, it is wise to seek the advice from someone whose life reflects God's wisdom. One more time. It is wise to seek advice from someone whose life reflects God's wisdom. Seek out counsel from someone with godly character. Don't take the advice of someone who has a history of making poor choices. Come on. I mean, it's just, it just seems to make sense. I, I sat with, I, 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 you wouldn't know, probably know his name, but his first name was Randy. He was very, very much a part of very early contemporary Christian music. This was back in the late 60s, early 70s. I was having breakfast with him one morning, um, and we were talking about all kinds of things. And, and he was troubled in his spirit about a couple that he knew who were now doing marriage seminars. And I went, oh, okay. And then he went on to explain the reason, the reason is that they've been married like three or four times. And now they're doing marriage seminars. And he just kind of, his eyes kind of went, I, 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 I don't get it. I don't get it. 
You know who I want to learn marriage advice from? The 75-year-old veterans of marriage who've been through the war together, who have endured different and challenging things. It doesn't mean that those who are younger don't have some good things to say. That's not my point. But I don't, I don't necessarily, and I understand God can redeem situations. God can bring great out of really difficult, I know that. I give 100%. I get it. But you understand, I want godly counsel from godly people, godly character. That's who I'm going to seek advice from. First, because it's so clear, Scripture is clear, just we don't accept the advice of the ungodly. Proverbs 13, 20, listen to this. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. There you go. Come on now. If you've got teenagers at home, you've got children at home, that's a verse. You should just, come on. Another one is bad company corrupts good character. Come on. We've got to be conscious of this. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. There's nothing, there's nothing which we receive with so much reluctance as advice. We're just unwilling to take it. But... But wise choices will be made as we receive the advice of godly counsel. We've got to do it. The next question is, am I being led by the Holy Spirit as I consider this decision? Am I being led of the Holy Spirit? Each of us, I'm so grateful, and it's humbling to think that we are literally the temples of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives within us. I mean, that's a, that's a privilege, but it's also an incredible responsibility. Did you know that the, that the Spirit of God can give you wisdom in the decisions that you will make as we rely upon Him? John 16 says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. And listen to this, Acts 15, verse 28. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You see, the first church, that is born out of the first church when a decision had to be made that would greatly impact new believers. And so the church put this to prayer. And you notice the order in which they say it. It seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit? Nope. Opposite. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Pray first. Rely upon the presence of God in your life first. Then the godly counsel from people. And what we feel in our own spirit and direction. The Spirit of God will lead us and direct us if we allow Him to. Galatians 5 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. For the Spirit of what? The Holy Spirit produces fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Depend upon the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and revelation to help you make wise choices. The Spirit of God will do it. We have to rely upon him. And number five, does this decision give glory to God? And, and you know, listen to what Paul said. He said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Think about that. Now, here is, I just, here's a little bit of a telling prayer or, or a telling statement. I'm going to confess to you this morning, I did not get up and pray this prayer, the following prayer. Lord, 
Let everything I do today bring you glory. I should have, and so should all of us. It should be at the forefront of our minds. Why? Because Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat, whether you drink, I'll say it this way, wherever you go, whatever you say, the things that you do, the people that you interact, that you have interaction, what are we to do? Everything should bring glory to you. Everything. And the reason, the reason for this is that you and I, our lives and our decisions are influence in the lives of others. Jesus said this in Matthew 5. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Let your light, let me say it this way. Let everything you do, whether you eat, you drink, wherever you go, let it what? Let it what? Let it shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm telling you, our decisions, they're powerful statements of what God has done in our life and is doing in our life. Making a wise choice is influence, and it brings praise to God. It's influence. As we bring our time to a close this morning, of all of these decisions, remember, align those choices with God's word. Pray first before you decide. Get advice and counsel. Let the wisdom, let the wisdom and revelation, depend upon the wisdom and revelation from the Holy Spirit. And let God receive all the glory in your decisions. Remember, you and I are products of the decisions that we make. We're products of the decisions that we make. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word this morning. We give you all the honor and the praise. Help us to make wise choices. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a passage of scripture that I wrestled this week where I would share it, whether I'd share it at the beginning of the message or the end. And I went back and forth and distributed. I kind of, I kind of dropped it in both places and trying to figure out how to do this. And I, I decided that I'd put it at the end. And let me set it up for you. It's found in the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy itself means, the word it means, second law. Moses is getting ready to transfer leadership of Israel to Joshua. And in this, he recounts their, their travels from slavery now to the promised land. And he repeats the law, gives them the Ten Commandments again and all of these laws. And so in the process of that, we come to chapter number 30. And listen to what Moses says. Now listen. Now listen more time. Now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. I love this. If you do this, you will live and the Lord your God will bless you. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, you will not. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death. 
between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. I'm going to just say it to all of us. Oh, that we would choose life. You see, it's life in many different avenues, many different respects. The first of that is to choose life, to choose Jesus, to be Savior and Lord. That's life. But in the choosing or making wise choices, what are you doing? You're choosing life. You're choosing blessing. You're choosing prosperity. You're choosing a future, not just for you, but for your families, for generations to come when you make wise choices. And how do you do it? You change the way you think. You let God's Word fill you with all the information of an infinite God. The decisions... They will honor him. They will honor him. They will bless him. They will bring glory to him. And you'll have peace and life. That's my hope and my prayer for each of us. Stand with me if you would. We're going to worship this morning. I'm going to come back in a minute. We're going to pray together in a minute. But just as we begin this song, song is so good. It just says there's nothing that my God can't do. That applies to helping you change the way you think. Because that really is a transforming, it's a decision. We have to take charge of this and say, Jesus, help us to change the way we think. Change us. Change us from the inside out. No longer just emotion and subconscious or unconscious. But rather, I pray, Lord, you'd fill me with your information. Fill me with what you have provided for me to make wise choices. Let's sing this first portion. We'll come back in a minute and just pray together.